Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 3.5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash today. Ramp.com slash today. R-A-M-P.com slash today. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another edition of the 1085 Grid Iron Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host from BelieveLandSports.com, Jack McCurry. How you doing, Jack? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, man. It's been a somewhat entertaining morning, if, especially if you're listening to Cleveland uh, Sports Talk Radio, but uh, it's nice to sit down and do another episode of this. Yeah, we're at episode 49. Uh, we'll be putting out episode uh, 50 this week, which I can't believe we've hit. Um, we're going to have some fantastic guests, and I say guests more than one, so be uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, you know, we had a pretty big weekend. You know, we had the NFL Combine. I think it wraps up today, if I'm correct. Uh, today is Monday, March 5th, 2018. Uh, we're recording this on uh, Monday morning. Um, you know, there's a lot in the combine uh, to discuss, so we're just going to jump right into it. Who, you know, Sam Darnold didn't throw, but Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and the rest of the quarterbacks did. Out of all of them, uh, from what you've seen, who impressed you the most? Who uh, helped them help themselves out the most? Who maybe hurt themselves? I think the one that impressed and did the best I think out of all the quarterbacks was Josh Allen and you know this is a guy who's faced a lot of scrutiny so far up until the combine you know talking about his inaccuracies and you know some of his flaws coming out of Wyoming but you know for a guy that's 6'5 240 pounds he came out and displayed those physical traits on the field on Saturday you know running a 4740 um you know throwing the ball exceptionally well including that 70 yard bomb which i think impressed everybody he seemed like the clear-cut winner to me out of the quarterbacks um but like the guy that i think struggled the most was probably lamar jackson and i know he's facing a lot of scrutiny as well because there's some people out there that think he's best suited as a wide receiver but i'm of the belief and there's a lot of people that believe it too that this guy can play quarterback at the next level 
Um, didn't have the greatest day throwing the ball. I know some people were disappointed he didn't run a 40. I understand the reasoning behind it because then people, if he does run a fast 40, which I think he does, um, people are going to say, well, he's just he just needs to be a wide receiver. But I think he needs to be a quarterback. Obviously, he has some work to do. A lot of these guys do. But I think he's the one that kind of struggled the most out of the bunch. You know, I keep seeing reports of teams and scouts and stuff that said that Josh Allen had a Carson Wentz uh, type combine, not only throwing the football, but uh, off the field too in the meetings and football IQ and all that. So is he done enough to maybe raise him in a conversation uh, for number one uh, to you? I think he'll definitely be in the conversation. I still wouldn't put him personally in the discussion to be the number one pick. I still think Darnold is the clear-cut guy at that spot, followed by Mayfield and Rosen. But um, I think Allen's making a strong case. And I also heard over the weekend that Dorsey does uh, like him. But I also heard that Dorsey's not really enamored with all the quarterbacks just yet. So I'm thinking he's probably waiting to see what the – Brown's coaching staff does once they get their hands on these guys, but um, Allen did get, I think he is building momentum as we go on this draft process, but um, I think at the end of the day, I think he'll be a top 10 pick. I don't think he'll ultimately be in the uh, final pool of players for that number one pick. Well, there's always uh, the possibility since the Browns have two uh, picks in the, in the top five, number one and number four, that they could take somebody else in one and take Josh Allen at four. And one of the guys that's in the running to be taken number one is uh, Saquon Barkley, and he did nothing uh, but impress people. You know, here's a guy that's 235 pounds and ran a, a 4-4-40, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, you look at – I think it was Mayock that said it um, on a broadcast that everyone was impressed with what uh, John Ross ran last year to 4 um, but what he thought is, was more impressive is uh, Barkley running uh, a 4-4, uh, 40 at 235 pounds. Definitely. Barkley stole the show this past weekend at the Combine, you know, you know, from running that 4-4 at his size and his weight to, you know, going on the bench press doing 29 reps of 225 pounds, which is pretty crazy for a running back his size and, you know, he he looked like the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson. That's what he's been tagged with. And he might ultimately be the best player in this draft. And I wouldn't fault the Browns for keep putting him in the discussion for the number one pick. But at the end of the day, if the pick's not a quarterback, I'm, I would be very disappointed in uh, John Dorsey and the front office because, you know, while Barkley is a talented player, you know, it would be nice to have him as a complimentary piece behind a quarterback. To put him over the quarterback at number one, I just think is absurd and I think would lead to another failure upon the front office in Cleveland. I think the the only way uh, Barkley happens at one is if they grade two or three of these quarterbacks uh, with the same grade and it doesn't matter to them who they get. And they, they know for sure that one of those guys will be there uh, at four. Um, so if they grade three at the same grade they're, they're, and they take Barkley one, one of one of those quarterbacks guaranteed to be there for. I think that's the only way right now, um, unless they pull off some miracle to, to sign Cousins, which is looking very unlikely. Um, but, you know, that, that's always a possibility. Um, who else uh, looking at the combine 
uh, did anyone steal the show uh, for you? Um, you know, throughout the entire weekend. Uh, two guys, definitely. Obviously, the one is Shaquem Griffin, the linebacker out of uh, Central Florida. You know, um, a very good feel-good story for a guy that, you know, had to have his hand amputated, but he didn't let that slow him down as a football player at Central Florida. You know, impressed at the Senior Bowl. Wasn't a, an a, initial invite to the Combine, but got one because of his performance in Mobile. Came to the Combine, 20 reps, uh, bench press, you know, with one hand, essentially, he obviously had a prosthetic hand on. Uh, but to do 20 reps on the bench press was very impressive. And then to come out and run a 4-3-8-40, which is the fastest for a linebacker since 2003. And, you know, he looked good in the drills, too. So you're looking at a guy that was going to be a late-round pick. Too. I've seen now that some people are saying he's definitely going to go in the top 100. Um, so it's an awesome story for Griffin. And then a guy we talked about, early on and during our um, prospect uh, breakdown, DJ Chark out of LSU. I thought he played really well at Mobile and he came to the combine and just showed how much of an athletic freak he is at the wide receiver position. He's a guy that I think could definitely go in the top three rounds. I know this wide receiver class is wide open behind Calvin Ridley. That's a guy that I thought performed really well and wouldn't shock me if he's on the Browns radar at the end of the second round or third round. Yeah, I was paying uh, attention to some of the measurables uh, when it came to the wide receivers, and there are a lot of uh, freak athletes uh, in this wide receiver class. Uh, um, EQ St. Brown from Notre Dame is 6'5". His hands are massive. I mean, just a complete red zone threat. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Chark as well. So, you know, there's a ton of good athletes at that position. It's just a matter of... Uh, who the Browns think is best because they're, they're definitely taking a, a wide receiver at, at some point in this draft. Um, it remains to be seen where, but uh, I would tend to think that they'll absolutely be taking one with uh, the obvious need uh, at that position. Um, you know, we, we've talked about a few surprises and we talked about, um, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson not having the, the greatest combine. Is there anyone else that, you were looking forward to having a good combine that that didn't? Well, I don't know if I was looking forward to have a good uh, combine, but, you know, I was thinking he would solidify himself as a first or second round pick. But Orlando Brown out of Oklahoma, the offensive tackle, had a very poor combine. And, you know, looking at reports and what some of these draft guys on the internet and the media have said, um, Brown's stock dropped significantly with what his on the field workout had, I think a five, eight 40, um, only 14 bench press reps. And then some of the drills, you know, when the coaches is yelling at you, uh, to hustle on these, uh, drills and you're not doing it, it's a bad look. And obviously teams are definitely going to look at Brown differently than they did potentially coming into the combine. Um, you know, they know a lot more than what the media has said, but, um, Brown really performed uh, poorly for me. Um, other than that, there really wasn't anybody, anything else that really shocked me. I think, you know, everybody else has really performed well in my eyes. You know, I'm not a draft expert. I don't break down film like this, but based on what everything said, everything has been as advertised with the exception of a couple people like Brown. 
you know, uh, just before the the combine started, uh, John Dorsey uh, spoke to the media uh, for the first time. I think since he was hired, uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe he had one right after the season. But um, you know, everybody uh, freaked out uh, after two minutes in, which is not surprising. Um, about he when he said that the door is open. Uh, in regards to trading uh, either the number one or number four pick, do you? Do, uh, I, wow, I cannot speak today. I need to wake <laughs> up. Um, let's try that again. I have a two-part question: A, does Dorsey trade that number one pick? And B, uh, were you shocked that he said that uh, the doors open to a trade? <laughs> No, I don't think he's trading the number one pick. And it didn't shock me that he said he would take calls and that the door was open. I think Dorsey's been doing this for a long time. He knows how the game works. And he had to say that. You can't – I mean, he's going to have to take calls. Teams are going to make calls saying, what would it take to to move up to number one? I'm sure you look at the teams right behind us, the Giants, the Broncos, the Jets – Buffalo, Arizona, teams that need quarterbacks, they're going to call to see if they can move all the way up to number one to secure the quarterback they want. It won't hurt Dorsey to take that phone call and to listen to what the team has to offer. Um, I know we talked about it before the show. There's a rumor going around that the Broncos would like to move up to one. Um, I could tell you that back in January, Benjamin Albright and the guys at the Orange and Brown Report did report that John Elway would make a phone call to Dorsey and the Browns about moving up just because they took the phone call. Doesn't mean they're engaged in talks as the Twitter rumor was on Friday night. Um, Dorsey will take calls, but at the end of the day, I think he's going to stay there at one and take who he thinks is the best player to help the Cleveland Browns, not only for 2018, but for the next five to 10 years. You know, unless a team is offering uh, their entire draft and then some, uh, I don't think the the Browns will trade out of that pick. Well, there's no way that they trade that pick. You know, now the four pick, it's a completely different story, and I think it'll depend on what we do at one. If we take Barkley at one, you know, maybe there's a chance we move up from four. But if we take a QB at one, it wouldn't shock me if we moved down, especially, like I said, the, the teams behind us at the four spot, the Broncos, the Jets, the Cardinals, the Bills. They have a need at quarterback, and if they don't fill it in free agency or they don't hop us above us at four, they four is a prime spot for those guys to go out and get a quarterback. You know, I could even see if they took a, a quarterback one, maybe even trading uh, back up to take Barkley. Uh, I could see that possibility too. Um, it, but it, you know, it's all, you know, the draft is still a month and a half away. Uh, there's still a lot of, uh, things that, that could happen between now and then. Um, another, uh, thing that, that crossed the, the Twitter verse on, uh, this weekend was, a, a, a trade rumor between the Browns and the Chiefs that would include uh, second-year quarterback Deshaun Kaiser uh, in a swap for you know maybe a, a late-round pick or um, a, a player. So, well, what's your uh, initial reaction to to that uh, coming across the the Twitter uh, Twitter? Not surprising at all. Um, you know, um, 
if anybody listens to these interviews of, you know, insiders that come on the Cleveland uh, sports talk radio scene, Benjamin Albright said it a few weeks ago, and um, hopefully Ben will be joining us on our 50th episode. Uh, He said that there's a good chance Kaiser would be moved to Arizona. So it doesn't shock me that the rumors out there about Kansas city, they need a backup quarterback, obviously. Um, behind Patrick Mahomes and, you know, to have a guy like Kaiser who's still only 21 years old, if Mahomes don't pan out, maybe they're grooming Kaiser as a potential franchise quarterback. I think, and I like Kaiser's game, and I think he got a raw deal last year, um, not having a veteran to help guide him through his rookie season, and it showed on the field because he absolutely struggled. I think Kaiser needs a fresh start somewhere else. I think he needs to go somewhere where he can um, learn how to be an NFL quarterback through the guidance of a veteran. Um, you know, Kansas City's right now, they would have to add a veteran in that room to help not only Kaiser, but Patrick Mahomes. Arizona's an option if they get a veteran quarterback. I just think Kaiser's time is running is not here in Cleveland for the long haul, and I think he does need a fresh start elsewhere. You know, maybe uh, the, the Patriots are, are a team that could come calling because they're going to need a, a backup quarterback. I, I think that would set uh, Browns Twitter on fire if the Patriots came calling uh, for Deshaun Kaiser. Um, yeah, you know, he, he might need a, a, a new start uh, somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I've, I'm still of the belief that I think they're going to keep him. Uh, I think it would be beneficial uh, to keep a guy who's – been in the system for a year uh and you know i I think they're gonna draft somebody like i said unless they pull off some miracle for for cousins but as i said before that's unlikely now um so you know i i I think that he's gonna be here uh whether it's him a a rookie quarterback and aj mccarron or case keenum or uh, sam bradford or uh, another one of these quarterbacks um you know, I, I think that they're going to go into the season with three, uh, with the intent of if the veteran they sign gets hurt, uh, Kaiser will be out there next, and the rookie's still going to sit. Uh, he'll be third on that uh, death chart, unless uh, the rookie did what happened last year and you know uh, outperform everyone else on the death chart, forcing uh, Hugh to start. Because let, let's be honest, going into this year, this year isn't about the uh, development like it was last year. Uh, or the year before this year is going to be about winning and uh, you know Hugh's going to have to win to save his job so he's going to play the uh, the best guy uh, he thinks is there to to win football games so we could see uh, another season of the the weekly quarterback carousel uh, if Hugh wants to win this year definitely I think you know they have to make some progress this year and you know, they have to go out and get a veteran quarterback that's going to help the team win, whether it's McCarron, Bradford, etc. But they also have to keep in mind that they need to take care of this quarterback position, not only with a veteran and a rookie, but to get something in that room that can to prevent the rookie from getting out there early, whether it's adding two veterans or I, – I mean, that would actually be the ideal situation, adding another veteran into the room and letting – uh, whoever the rookie quarterback is, sit completely, no, have no issues about him getting on the field unless he is absolutely ready. Um, you know, the, a guy like Baker Mayfield, he said that he's going to come in and push uh, 
who if he were wherever he goes, he's going to push to be the starter from day one. You like a guy like that, but there's I think all these rookies, you don't want them to start right away, and I think there is some flaws that prevent them from starting right away. So whoever we draft, I think they need to sit the whole year. So they got to add this. They got to add a veteran for sure. But I wouldn't be out of the. I it's it's my belief that it wouldn't be out of the realm to add two veterans to make sure that the rookie does sit completely until he's one hundred percent ready. You know, looking at um, a free agency, uh, it's right around the corner. Um, the new league year, I believe, starts uh, next week, so we're getting uh, really close to free agency. Um, you know, obviously, the, the Browns have uh, most cap space of anybody. Um, you know, we've made everyone well aware of that. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at, at positions uh, that they need to address, uh, free safety is another one of those um, that we're going to preview uh, on this podcast. I think we've done quarterback, offensive tackle, uh, cornerback. Wide receiver. There's one more that we did. Why, yeah, why are you Thank God you're here. Otherwise, I, if I had to do this show by myself, it would be a disaster because I wouldn't have Jack in my ear <laughs> reminding me of things. Um, so uh, free safety is, is the next one uh, we're going to discuss. While the uh, free agency class is thin, there could be a, a couple potential trade uh, scenarios uh, that the Browns could go after. Uh, to, to fill that spot. So, you know, let's start off with the, the two guys that are free agents uh, that, that we both have our eyes on, and that would be Trey Boston and LaMarcus Joyner. If you want to give us the, the rundown on both of those guys. Yeah, LaMarcus Joyner, obviously, you know, he would be an ideal fit because he knows the system. He's been in the – he was with the Rams. They drafted him in the second round in 2014 out of Florida State. Uh, obviously, he's familiar with – uh, Greg Williams, because he played under him the first few seasons in uh, St. Louis and obviously Los Angeles. Um, not he doesn't have the the big numbers, but he's a very solid free safety. Um, has he's missed two games in each of the last couple seasons. Uh, solid tackler. Um, they use him in a variety of ways. He's I see he's got four career sacks. So obviously Greg Williams has been known to bring him in on a blitz. Um, last year was his best year, which is obviously no coincidence since it's contract year. Um, he had three interceptions, one he took for a touchdown. He had nine pass deflections. Both were career-high numbers. Uh, the rumor is that Los Angeles, you know, they traded Robert Quinn, which the Browns were involved in the discussions, but ultimately didn't get him. He's going to Miami. They're clearing cap space to try to keep not only LaMarcus Joyner, but Sammy Watkins. Uh, one of them will get the tag. One could get a long-term deal. Um, March 6th is the franchise tag deadline. So, obviously, something's got to get done quickly. But it looks like Joyner might hit the market. We'll see in the next uh, 24 hours how that progresses. But uh, Trey Boston is another guy that I think the Browns should have on their radar. He's 25 years old, uh, was a mid-round pick out of North Carolina, and has gotten better each and every year he's been in the league. Last year, pretty sure he was a Pro Bowl player. But uh, this is a guy that I loved coming out of college when he was uh, at North Carolina. I thought he would have been a perfect safety uh, to groom behind Tashawn Gibson at the time. Um, absolute ball hawk. He had eight interceptions over his career. Um, 
played it started out in Carolina. You know, I was part of the defense, went to the Super Bowl, then they uh cut him, which was shocking. I don't understand. The Panthers had a good young defense together and they kind of broke it up after the Super Bowl. He went to Los Angeles uh, this past season, played in 15 games at 79 tackles, eight pass deflections, and five picks. So I think either one of these guys should be on the Browns' radar when the legal tampering period starts next Monday. And it would be really good to solidify that free safety position if they don't have their eyes set on Minka Fitzpatrick with the fourth pick to get one of these guys in free agency. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's a position uh, that they need to address. I would love to have either one. Uh, it would definitely solidify uh, the position. And you know, I, I mentioned earlier, there's a couple guys that they could target uh, via trade as well, and that would be uh, Teron Matthew and Earl Thomas. Uh, Matthew from the Cardinals and Thomas from the Seahawks. You know, if you want to give the the lowdown on their situation with their respective teams, uh, I. Saw over the weekend that Matthew isn't exactly happy. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy with uh, the contract extension uh, talks that, that are going on there. So if you just want to get the lowdown on both those situations and you know how they could uh, potentially uh, be Cleveland Browns and, and what it would take to uh, get both of those players. Yeah. Um, you know, with Tyron Matthew, uh, Jason Lock and Four reported over the weekend from the Combine that he said he'd be very surprised based on what he's heard that uh, Matthew would be back in Arizona. And Matthew responded on Twitter and he was like, is anybody going to tell me anything with the crying laughing emoji? And, um, you know, last couple of months, there's been some trade rumors about, you know, potentially moving Matthew. Um, He's been, when he's been on the field, he's been solid, but, you know, he's had some knee injuries. Um, he, uh, signed a, He signed a contract extension very early on in his uh, uh, career, um, signed a five-year extension, has an opt-out after the 2020 season. So the Browns would obviously get him back or get him for two years, um, would be a solid player. I think he's been one of the top safeties in football since he was drafted in the third round. Obviously, we give Joe Banner and Mike Lombardi a hard time on Twitter all the time for it because the Browns drafted – Leon McFadden, one pick above Arizona, drafting Tyron Matthew. And um, obviously Matthew had some character concerns coming out of LSU, but he's been, I think, a solid professional since he's been drafted and hasn't really, has never gotten in trouble off off the field. Um, you know, would be, it would obviously fulfill a need at the free safety position. And obvi- obviously the other player we talked about was Earl Thomas. Um, Thomas is obviously a few years older than, Tyron Matthew, Matthew's 25, Earl Thomas is 28. Thomas is coming on the last year of his deal, and there's been rumors about, you know, Seattle starting to get a little younger. The, um, the Legion of Boom obviously is aging. They're not – Richard Sherman's getting up there, Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. Earl, Earl Thomas wants a new contract. Um, you know, either the Browns could pay Matthew and give him a new contract or give Earl Thomas a new contract. Um, once free or 
once they acquire their services, if they choose to go that route, I know, um, uh, who's the ESPN reporter? Um, John Clayton was on Browns daily last week and he said he heard that the Browns are interested in Earl Thomas. Um, obviously that would be a huge get in our secondary. Um, but like I said, are they going to still look at Minka Fitzpatrick and consider him strongly just as a corner or would they draft him to be a free safety, which would you know obviously complicate things if they did bring in Matthew or Earl Thomas. I just think that's a situation to watch over the next coming weeks. Cause I would think if they're going to move them, they might as well move them now instead of waiting until OTA start or training camp or something like that. What would you think it would take to get either one of those guys, a, a second round pick, a third round pick? What are you thinking? I would think for either one or for Matt, for, for Matthew, it might be like a second or third round pick just because he does have a couple of years left on his deal for Thomas, especially cause he's the older player. It might take a little less, uh, like a fourth, third or fourth round pick. Um, I know the Browns have multiple fourth round picks, so they can move one of them for Earl Thomas or, you know, package one of those picks with a second round pick to get Tyron Matthew. I think it would be a steal because these guys are both still Pro Bowl, all pro talented players, and they would obviously be huge upgrades over what we have at the free safety spot right now. If you had to put uh, money on one of these four guys, um, LaMarcus Joyner, uh, Trey Boston, Teron Matthew, and Earl Thomas, uh, to be a Brown next season. Who are you putting your money on? Uh, I would just, I would say LaMarcus Joyner because obviously he's familiar with the system. Um, I'm not sure the relationship he has with Greg Williams, but I'm sure there's a good one there. Um, you know, it'd be, a, I think, especially because we have the money and we can, you know, negotiate with him outright instead of having to trade for the services and then negotiate a new contract. Um, I think it would be easier to go that route instead of giving up a draft pick and then giving him a new contract. You might as well keep some of your assets. So I would say joiner, but I wouldn't rule out a trade for Matthew or Thomas, especially with the multiple draft picks we have. Would you put uh, money on one of these free agent guys or would you put um, money on, uh, one of the uh, free safety draft prospects that we talked about a couple of episodes ago uh, from the kid from Penn State and uh, the other one that we discussed. Um, I would say the free agent route because the prospects, they're not for sure going to be impact players at the top or impact players once they get to the NFL. I think, you know, Joyner's proved himself. Boston's proved himself. I would rather go get a proven guy than – spend a second or third round pick and hope that they're going to be just as good as those guys. Well, talking about the draft, uh, we're going to continue our draft coverage. Uh, I think I said last episode that we're probably going to end up doing a hundred prospects, uh, which is far more than the 64 uh, that we discussed uh, when we started this. Um, so today uh, we have two positions we're going to look at. We're going to look at center. Uh, and then we're going to look at a uh, defensive end as well. Uh, let's start off with the, the centers. Um, we're going to talk about Billy Price out of Ohio State, uh, James Daniels out of Iowa, and Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas. Out of those three guys, I would tend to think Price is probably uh, the best player. Um, you know, if you just want to give uh, the lowdown on 
each of those man i'm saying that word a lot today uh if you want to get the lowdown on, on those three guys on uh, uh you know kind of what you expect out of all three of them uh coming into the draft well billy price i think is the most talented of the bunch but james daniels is starting to make a lot of noise um i know kirk ferentz obviously it's his coach he's gonna be a little biased he said that daniels is the most talented offensive line uh prospect he's ever coached which is saying something because Ferenc, you know, coached in the NFL for a number of years, including with the Cleveland Browns as an offensive line coach. Um, you know, Price unfortunately got hurt during the combine on the bench press. He has a partially torn pectoral muscle, but he'll be ready to go for training camp. Uh, granted, he doesn't need surgery, which I don't think he needs to, but uh, I think he was getting a second opinion. Uh, Price, you know, he could play guard and center, but I think he's more of the build to play center. That's based on scouting reports. Um you know, he's got good lateral movement and agility, and he's a good leader. He's a guy He's a locker. He's a guy you want in your locker room. Obviously, I think he would bring a good culture fit to an organization. Lord knows the Browns need good culture. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so they say he tries to do too much on the field, and, you know, he gets anxious with quick defenders, which you're going to get in the NFL because a lot of these, de- these defenders have some uh, elite speed these days, and, you know, you want a guy that's going to be able to hold those guys up and be able to get to them, to block them. Uh, Daniels, they say he's got a ton of upside, um, very long arms. They say he's great in pass protection, got light feet, which you want in an interior offensive lineman. Um, you know, going down the field, though, he has trouble uh, anticipating where defenders are. And they're saying he can get – he can get he, he tries to do too much and he gets off balance, which is – a a negative on him, but you know, like I said, Ferenc is praising him, and uh, I trust Ferenc when it comes to offensive linemen. And Frank Ragno is kind of the guy that goes under the radar when it comes to Price and Daniels. Um, he has some injury concerns. He had a high ankle sprain. He missed the rest of the season last year. Um, great size for a center, and he's drawing comparisons to Alex Mack, which Browns fans obviously we know all about Alex Mack and how much of a great player he is. And Ragno, gonna he's gonna get drafted in the second or third round. And I think he's going to be an absolute gem for whoever picks him up. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, all three of these guys are uh, absolute possibilities. You know, you look at uh, who they have now in, in JC Treader. Uh, he's only signed through 2019. And at that point he'll be uh, 29 years old. So, you know, they might want to start looking at, uh, at a replacement. And, you know, I think price could definitely, uh, fit in right away, um, you know, especially with the the injury history of, of uh, Betonio and, you know, uh, Treader's contract coming up, you know, he's a guy that could play, you know, both spots over the next couple of years and, and kind of learn uh, everything in the offense and, uh, you know, slide in there right away after uh, uh, Treader's contract uh, runs out here. So I, I think that uh, center is definitely a, a possibility in this draft. Um, you know, it all depends on, how the rest of the players uh, fall, um, you know, and, you know, if there's anyone more valuable to the Browns at uh, the spots uh, where these guys are, I think Price could end up going late first, um, you know, as a top center on the board. You know, that seems to be uh, seems to be the case sometimes where those centers will fall. So, you know, I, I think if he's there at uh, with the first pick in the second round or, 
the other early pick that they have that that could definitely be a, a possibility uh, for them. If, if there's one guy, I think you answered it already uh, based on um, – your descriptions, but if there's one guy out of those three uh, that you would want, I would assume you'd want Billy Price. Actually, no, because I went back and I was watching the tape of James Daniels, and then I was impressed with his workout uh, during the combine. I would go with him just because of his upside. I think, you know, we know listening to his coach, and I know he's probably biased because it's one of his own players, but, you know, I think Daniels has – the best long-term career out of these guys. I think obviously price can be a good center and I think Ragno as well, but you know, Daniels, you know, with his long arms and his agility and his light feet, I think, you know, he's got what it takes. He could be the next, I know Ragno's compared to Alex Mack, but to get a guy, I think Daniels down the road could be a guy like Alex Mack, like a, a Frederick from Dallas that he could be an all pro pro bowl center for years to come. Uh, looking at the defensive ends uh, that we're going to discuss, we have another uh, Ohio State Buckeye in uh, Jalen Holmes. Um, I'm going to butcher this one. A uh, Duke uh, Ehofer. Ehofer. We'll go with it. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think we'll just go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we'll go with Ehofer. Um, and then uh, Rasheem Green. Uh, all defensive ends. Uh, if you want to. I'm not going to say low down because I said it last time and the time before that. So if you want to give us um, some descriptions on these three prospects and, um, you know, who you like most out of, out of these three guys. You know, physically, uh, I'm just going to call him Duke, the, uh, the kid out of Wake Forest. You know, you know, reading his uh, scouting report, you know, I just saw he, 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 he fits the mold of a perfect defensive end, like pass rusher. But, you know, there's things about him. They're saying he, he lacks bulk, which obviously you're going to need the NFL because you got to have the muscle and the strength to kind of, to go toe-to-toe with these offensive linemen. Um, and he's obviously – he's he has flashes. But I think everything you want with him, he's got violent hands, quick off the snap. He, balance, he has a balanced spin move that can beat blockers. And they say he's a hard worker. And, you know, he gained 50 pounds from the time he uh, walked – stepped into the doors at Wake Forest to now gain 50 pounds in the weight room. So obviously he's a gym rat. He's going to, if they're going to tell him to put muscle on, he'll go out and put muscle on. I think that's how committed to the weight room he is. Um, And then he's got a concussion history, which is obviously a red flag in today's NFL green, the versatility you love about him. You know, he could play inside, he could play outside. Kind of reminds me of Emmanuel Agba because I know Greg Williams like to play him at the three technique spot on the defensive front. Um, he, he's physically gifted, you know, he's a good tackler, but, um, he's, is one of the negatives is he's poor against the double team, which you want a guy that's going to, uh, be able to beat that. Um, they're saying he needs, you know, work on his pass rushing moves with, which, I mean, if he got in the hands of Clyde Simmons, who was a great player and has been a great coach for the defensive line here in Cleveland, it would be a great get. Um, but they're also saying he's a red shirt. He needs a redshirt year, potentially. If the Browns going to spend a pick in the top three rounds on a guy like that? I don't think so. They need impact players now. Um, but Green, you know, down the road could be a guy that could be under the radar pass rusher in this league. And then Jalen Holmes, you know, obviously he was overshadowed at Ohio State by the Boza brothers, Sam Hubbard, um, and Tyquan Lewis. But, you know, he's got – 
he's got the physical traits you want in a pass rusher, but he doesn't have the production. Um, you know, they, uh, Dane Brugler said that he uh, doesn't have the killer instinct, which I think you need absolutely um, as a pass rusher. Um, and, you know, being overshadowed by those guys, you don't really know how good he's going to be, but he has the physical traits to be a good pass rusher. Um, obviously, you want him to fall in the right hands of a good coaching staff that maybe you can get something out of him down the line. But Holmes, obviously, I don't know if I would take him early either just because the production, the tape's not there, so you don't know exactly what you're going to get in him. But to have a guy that physical and to have the, you know, the numbers, the measurements to, you know, make teams say, well, maybe we can take him and he, he'll he be our project. I don't think the Browns can take a project. They need to get guys that can make impact plays from day one. Yeah, I think it was um... – May actually sit on the comment that Holmes is going to love the NFL because he's actually going to get to play, uh, you know, with all the the talent on that Ohio State defensive line. Um, you know, there's going to be an opportunity uh, for him to show what he can, what he can do. I, I look it up as you were talking, and it's Edgefor. That's how you say his name, which I would have never guessed <laughs> uh, based on the spelling. So I'm glad I looked it up. Um, yeah, you know, these three guys, you know, I, I think we've said multiple times, and I probably sound like a broken record by now, but you can never have enough pass rushers, uh, especially in today's NFL. Um, you know, all these guys at defensive end, um, you know, and they're, they're versatile too, so you can play a couple of these guys inside as well. Versatile defensive lineman, uh, it sounds like a, a Greg Williams uh, philosophy to me. Um you know, especially with, uh, you know, having Miles Garrett out there and uh, Emmanuel Ogba and uh, Danny Shelton and Carl Nassib. There, there's a whole bunch of different guys that they could rotate in and out of there. And, you know, I expect them to add uh, to that group. Um, while they don't need a, a dominant guy like a Miles Garrett, while it would be nice to have, uh, say, Bradley Chubb, uh, but that's unlikely. Um you know, I think they're going to continue to add to that, that group. And, you know, that way, you know, all these guys throughout the entire game, they're going to be fresh and they'll be able to get to the quarterback the entire game. Um, you know, I think that's one thing you saw with Philadelphia uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, while they didn't, they only sacked Brady once, you know, they they were able to rotate guys in and out of their, uh, the entire game. And uh, they were able to keep up the, the pass rush uh, uh, through four quarters. Um which is not easy to do. So I, I think at some point they're going to uh, add to uh, this group in the draft, whether it's in the earlier rounds with one of these guys or uh, in the later rounds, uh, we'll find out. But uh, I'll put my money on adding uh, to the defensive end group. Definitely. And, you know, with these guys, Green, Edgefor, and Holmes, you know, coming in a situation like Cleveland, it wouldn't be bad if they had to sit because you look at the, the depth on that defensive front, Agba, Nassib, um, I think Orchard is still here. He might be a free agent. I'll have to look. And then, of course, Miles Garrett, they don't have to play right away. So, And obviously they're going to get a great teacher in Clyde Simmons who's done a great job with the defensive lineman. Um, you know, Green, if he has to play inside a D tackle, he has to sit behind Shelton and Ogan Joby and Caleb Brantley. So they're going to learn well because all these guys on the defensive line are talented. They can all learn and they can 
you know, slowly develop behind these guys. And obviously they might be able to get some snaps because Greg Williams likes to rotate guys, especially on that defensive front. So they may see some minute or some, not some minutes, some snaps um, during the season at some point. And of course with injuries that they always happen, these guys are going to have great coaching. They're going to be ready to play. And Greg Williams and Clyde Simmons will put them in a great situation to succeed. Uh, do you have a, a favorite uh, out of these three uh, guys? Uh, honestly, I would probably go with Rashim Green. He's got the production, and I like the versatility, obviously. Um, I like guys that can play multiple positions, um, especially on that defensive line. We need him to kick in and play inside at D tackle. Um, that would be great. If not, you know, obviously as a pass rusher, he wraps up well on tackles. And he, like the scouting report said, he can provide a pass rush in a number of spots. And, you know, to have him, Agba, and Garrett going forward, it would be pretty good for our pass rush. Yeah, like I said, I I think they'll definitely uh, add to the defensive line group. Um, You know, I'm going to be a broken record between now and the end of the draft and through free agency. Um, You never have enough pass rushers uh, in today's NFL. Um, You know, wrapping up our our draft coverage uh, for this week, um, you know, we'll have uh, more prospects uh, on our next uh, podcast, uh, six more. Uh, I think from now on we're going to have six. Uh, if we did the math correctly, which would be uh, a huge accomplishment um, before the draft, uh, we should wrap up with a hundred guys, a hundred prospects. So, you know, I I would tend to think we'll be the most uh, the most draft coverage on Browns podcast in Cleveland. Maybe we'll have to fact check that one <laughs> at some point. Um, is there anything else before we get on out of here? No, we covered everything for this episode. All right. Well, like I said, we'll be back with uh, our 50th episode this week with uh, quite a few different interviews and uh, discussions uh, with other uh, Browns Twitter folks. Uh, so uh, definitely stay tuned uh, with that. Jack, if you want to go ahead and plug uh, everything over there at Believe Land Sports. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, writing about the rumors and stuff going on. Um, my colleague at the site, Jake Samulak, posted a thing Sunday night talking about who he thinks the two players in the draft will be that could turn the Browns' fortunes around. Um, you know, I'll g- just give you a hint. It's a running back and a quarterback. Um, mock draft, I think it's 3.0 or 4.0 will be out this week. Um, I've lost track of how many mock drafts I've already done, but uh, a new one will be out once the combine ends. Um, so you guys can check that out at believeland-sports.com and also follow me on Twitter at jmccurryCLE. You know, if you've lost count of how many mock drafts you had, how impressive of it uh, is it of Stephen Thomas, who's done like 300 of them so far uh, since last year's draft? I still, I still don't lost know count. how does it. <laughs> I, I have no idea either. Uh, Steven will probably be one of our, our guests on our 50th episode. Um, as always, uh, to find out the latest uh, for the 50th episode, uh, be sure to follow us at 1085Gridiron on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash 1085Gridiron. Uh, you can follow me personally at Anthony Jokey, J-O-K-I, on Twitter as well. 
Uh, you can find our podcast our podcast podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher, and TuneIn. I think is the, the last one. Uh, it's been a while, so I'm surprised I remember all that. Um, with all that, oh, before that, be sure to like, rate, subscribe uh, to our podcast. We definitely appreciate it. Um, I might stop begging for rankings because we haven't gotten any yet, but please do so. Uh, they're, they're much needed. It helps us out a lot. Um, as we get on out of here, uh, you know, we'll see you later on this week with episode number 50. Uh, but before then, as always, go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.